I am Daniel Lukis and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years and today I have my special guest, no other than Mr. Bandley. Thank you, Daniel. Welcome to Book 101, Ms. Das. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm doing really well. We have lots of rain here, so I'm enjoying it. <laughs> oh, yes. Spring rain, as they said. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Ms. Das, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Um as you said, my name is Tess Bentley. I am from California, and I have been writing for a couple of years now. While I wrote my first novel, Ville, um, I also got my master's in English and Gothic studies. And I have four children, all boys, and I'm pretty busy, but I make time to write, and I love to read classic literature. Most possibly the Bronte, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Those author influence you more in your writing yes yeah um especially charlotte bronte in what way you know um i first read her when i was about 21 and i was very touched by her novel jane eyre like a lot of people are and i had always been interested in writing i never really called myself a writer or had that sort of mindset that i was a writer um I was always drawn to it, always writing little stories when I was young. Um, I would outline novels, but never really complete them. And then when I, after I read Jane Eyre, I sort of make, started making up stories in my head kind of based off of her novel. And I had these characters in my mind that I would just sort of play around with. And uh, then like a lot of young people, you know, I had to make a decision with college and I was sort of guided into healthcare by my family who said, you know, you could always write for fun, but you need to do something practical. So I became a nurse and I definitely did what was practical. And then maybe a decade later, you know, I was pretty unhappy with the, it was a good job, but it felt a lot like a job. And I ended up reading Jane Eyre again. And um, it sort of just like revitalized that thought I had in my head. And I started thinking about these characters again. And they just wouldn't, I know it sounds crazy, but they wouldn't leave me alone. And I had so many little stories in my mind, I started writing them out. And within a few months, I really started writing a novel. And so I think I started that in maybe January, February, 2021. And by November, I had written 100,000 words and had a full novel. <laughs> That's be awesome. So prior to your uh, novel, what are the stories that you wrote that you want to share to us? Yeah, I've written a few short stories for fun. I haven't published any of them. I think I'm more long-winded, so novels work well for me. But when I do have an idea, it's fun to, to do short stories. So one I wrote was sort of a gothic sea type of story about a siren. And it's called Of Sinners and Sirens. And that one has a bad ending for the characters. I'm playing with that one, and I'm currently sending that off to some small presses to see about publishing it. And then I've written The Soul Stone, but I actually wrote The Soul Stone after I wrote my novel. So even though they're related to each other, um, that short story actually came second. Do you think this is 
a prequel. A prequel. Well, it's, it's more like a prelude to it. Um, my novel takes place in 1847, and this story happens towards the end of the 18th century. And it, oh. there's in my story, in my novel, there's sort of an inset story where it's a, like a story within a story. And it gives more information to that. The Bronte uh, authors are came from the Victorian era. Yeah, um, they wrote their novels during the nineteenth century. So yeah, they uh, they are Victorian authors. I think uh, Jane Eyre was published in eighteen forty seven. Yeah, I think a couple of them had books published in eighteen forty eight. So they're definitely very prolific Victorian writers. Why do you like the Victorian era? What make different from Queen Elizabeth era or <laughs> Queen Elizabeth the <I>? first? <laughs> <laughs> What's the big difference of Queen Victoria? You know, I, it's hard to say. You know, I've always been in love with the era. Um, I don't know. Maybe my grandma was also um, a big fan of the Victorian era with her decorations. So she always had like the dark wood, um, porcelain dolls, just you name it, um, lamps that, you know, look like it. I have a picture of myself as a little girl and her living room and everything's Victorian in it. So maybe seeing that a lot as a child, as an adult, you know, the Victorian era fantas- uh, fascinates me because I don't think our era is so different from it. We are much more advanced, of course, in technology and healthcare, but a lot of our social issues sort of mirror what was going on in the Victorian era. And yeah. so as I'm reading these novels um, or studying it for for my master's program, um, I make a lot of connections between our time and theirs. And so that really, I already loved reading novels at that time, but it really inspired me when I wrote my own novel. As a member of the Bronte Society, what is the benefit? Um, you know, it's probably much more beneficial if you live in England, which unfortunately I don't. Um, but I did visit the Bronte Society um, or the parsonage where the sisters lived last summer. Um, so one benefit was I got him free because I paid for the membership, but, um, I just, you know, I wanted to support them. So that's why I have the membership and continue with it. Um, it's really neat that they have their home still as a museum. Um, not a lot of authors have that and it's so well-preserved. Um, it's amazing to go there and see the little table where they wrote their books. They walked around the table, um, to see the graveyard where I'm sure that just filled their imaginations so much. Um, so yeah, anything I could do to support them, you know, makes me very happy to do that. Definitely. Do you think in the future you can write a novel that all the profit will proceed to the Bronte Society or funds? Um, I mean, yeah, that'd be great. I've actually contributed um, a short story. Uh, there's a, a friend I have that uh, she's she's on social media on Twitter and Instagram. Her um, I actually did an interview of her on my website. I do some author interviews. Um, she goes by Bronte Babe Blog, and uh, her book came out this year. So she created an anthology with um, short stories by just people that love the Bronte sisters. Um, so all of them are inspired, and then a hundred percent of the proceeds went to. Um, the first time it was the Bronte Society, the one I contributed to went to Friends of the National Library. 
And we're currently working on another one that she's collecting stories for that she plans on having the proceeds go to the Bronte Society. Yeah, it is very, very cool to be part of that. Definitely. Let's talk about the Soul Stone. So if the novel will become heat, let's say bestseller, do you think that will be serve as a prequel and then you will publish it too? You know, I don't know. Originally, when I wrote Vell, it was a standalone. Um, I since decided that I will probably write a prequel called Emberly that will take place about 50 years before Vell does. So the Soulstone's kind of before that one. Uh, I considered making it a novel, but I think it works so well as a short story and it leaves just enough mystery of this person's character. It gives you enough to question her her choices um i guess you would a lot of people like to use the word morally gray and so this protagonist in this in the, in the soul stone her name's claudia um i think she's definitely moral, morally gray she wants to be good but um she is tempted by the dark side and so um as far as the short story goes i think it really works as the short story um i would only consider writing a novel if i if I could just see it play out in my head, if I could see it being worthy of a novel. But right now, I, I sort of like it as a short story. Interesting. So you are considering to have anthologies then? Um, I'm using this one more for um, like a reader magnet on my newsletter. So when people join my newsletter, they can download the Soul Stone. And it, it's free for them. So I don't know about an anthology with it. Um I sort of like that it's exclusive just to people that are following me. Definitely. It's just like a little, it's just like a gift to them. It's a giveaway, people. So let's support Miss yeah. <laughs> Tess Bentley for upcoming novels. So let's talk about this upcoming novel. Who influenced you to write this novel? Well, you know, um, like I said earlier, these characters came to me after reading Jane Eyre. So we could sort of say that they were inspired by Jane Eyre. Um, but I was going through a sort of a hard time in my life um, when I reread Jane Eyre the second time. And these characters, I remembered them, I guess you could say. And so I started playing around with it. And when I started writing my novel, they just had a life of their own. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you could definitely say I was inspired by Charlotte Bronte, but at the same time, a lot of it had to do with what was going on in my life at the time. And it, and it, and it was during um, COVID, during the pandemic. So there's a bit of escapism with the novel as well. So we're not giving spoiler here. So what is the best <laughs> highlight of Veil that you want to share to us? I think it's really interesting. So it, it, it takes place during the Victorian era, but it is a time travel novel. And I think I'm not spoiling too much by telling you this. So she starts off, she's a millennial, much like myself, and she gets taken back into Victorian England. And you discover pretty early on that she was meant to be born during the Victorian era. And so she wasn't ever meant to be born during our time. It was a family curse. So she gets taken back to sort of restore this curse that happened. Um, And she's not able to come back to this time. So a lot of time in time travel books, we go back and forth. 
And in Vel's case, she's being restored to the time she should have been born in, in the beginning. So how many chapters does uh, Vel uh, have? Yeah, I think it's, it's 36. For those 36 chapters, what chapters have this uh, difficulty of writing with? For me, I think um, it's always somewhere in the middle that's the hardest, um, <laughs> you know, with pacing. I, I know some writers, they call themselves pantsters, and they um, they sit down and they just start writing, and they'll see where it takes them. And I'm somewhere between a plotter and a pantster, I suppose. I, I, I have to know how my novel ends. I have to know the beginning and the ending, um, and I will sort of outline it. Roughly, I don't make any strict rules for myself because then I would lose my desire to write really quick. But I have to know how it ends, so that does help me with the pacing. Um, but yeah, definitely in the middle, making that I'm not starting to plateau, or you know, sometimes you do need to slow down, but you don't want it to be so slow that they stop reading the book. So I couldn't tell you off the top of my head exactly what chapter. Um, but definitely in the middle is where you start saying, you know, am I going fast enough? Am I going too fast? You know, you start questioning that. So, that, but that's part of the fun of writing is trusting that it works. Definitely. So which chapter you enjoy the most? Mm. Yeah, I would say probably the first three chapters were really fun to write because I start early on with the time slip. So right away, I'm, you know, I'm going into the drama of the story. So maybe, I'm, let me guess, chapter two, chapter three. Yeah, chapter two. I introduced the love story there too, so that was fun. If Vale become bestseller, <laughs> do you think which is good for a series or a motion picture? Well, that's a lovely thought. Um, <laughs> you know, probably motion picture. Why? You know, I like guaranteed endings i like to um tie off you know i don't like to leave anything open and so with the series for one if i was really looking at it you know there's a risk they don't continue it and your story's not told so if it was a series i would hope it would be one of those netflix series that you know they buy all eight episodes and it's gonna be done in eight episodes <laughs> yes but, um, <laughs> you know not one that you're like season three and you're done um and you know they're very very bad about that but the motion picture, I feel like, you know, they're, they're fun to go sit and watch. Um, I think the story could be told. It, it's written in first-person narration. So no matter how they did it, there's going to be a loss to the story. But honestly, I would take either one. I wouldn't complain. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Do you think Vale will be a timeless novel like the Bronte novel? You know, the thing is, we don't get a say in that. Um, some people will be famous during their time and no one will remember them in another generation. Some people won't be famous till several generations after they're dead. So I don't put too much, um, whether it will be timeless or not, but I do think the story itself is, you know, besides the, the time travel and all the fun elements, and those are fun elements, um, the story itself deals with, you know, depression. So this protagonist that I wrote is coming out of an emotionally abusive marriage. And she's trying to make a decision for herself and her two children. And then as she's deciding that, you know, hey, maybe I do want a better life for myself. Maybe I can do this. 
she's forced back into another time and she doesn't get to make that choice anymore. And so she struggles with that. So it deals with loss, grief, regret. And I do think those themes are timeless because so many of us deal with them. So in that sense, yeah, I think it, it could be. Very well said. This story of the novel, do you relate to your self-experience or from other people? Yeah, you know, a lot of it is from my own experiences and some other. You meet people, you do learn, you know, how it deals a lot with relationships. Um, so there's definitely a little bit of both. I won't yes. say it's an autobiography by any means, but it definitely deals with things I've dealt with. Yes, because I, I asked that question because my recent episode, if a writer experience of what is writing the more the feeling the intense is there and it become more uh, normal story mm -hmm. that we experience in our daily life uh, the veil why is publication is on october why is not later than october um well it's been i've been waiting for a bit for it to be published so october is finally the date that i get to do it um and a fun fact is that it's going to be published specifically October 16th, which is when Jane Eyre was published. So I was pretty excited about that. Um, yes, let's yeah. celebrate. Oh, that's <laughs> I love symbolism, so. <laughs> is it independent uh, publishing or traditional publishing? Well, I started my own press, so it's definitely indie. I played around with traditional and I'm not opposed to traditional um, publishing by any means and indie publishing is not for everybody you know I know some people think it's an alternative you know just hey publish your book throw on Amazon and you're done and you could absolutely do that and there's nothing wrong with that um, especially you know if you just want to get your stories out there in my case I started my own um, imprint. I plan to do some editorial services through it. So and I would like to, here in the next couple of years, um, help get other people published that like niche um, literature like I do. So um, for me, this was the better choice. You know, I worked with a couple agents that um, one in particular wanted to sign me and you feel... It feels so capitalist right now. So many people are having to shelve their stories because the market's saturated in this or that. And I really am having a hard time seeing the art in traditional publishing. And it doesn't mean that that's the case for everybody, but it seems to be the majority right now. And you get paid so little for something you've put your heart and soul in. If I questioned my writing skills, I definitely wouldn't do indie publishing. Because it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of money. And it's definitely not cheap. And so you want to make sure you're investing yourself properly. Yeah, I, I decided after a lot of, I, I queried for a while. I went back and forth with a, an offer. And, you know, I just felt like independent publishing was right for me. Definitely. Before we go on, Ms. Tess, I just want to shout out to the people listening in Netherlands. Oh, thank you so much for supporting this podcast for these places. North Holland. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> South Holland and Provincy Gelderland. Sorry if I uh, mispronounce. North Brabant. Utrecht, 
over Giselle Flevoland Province Utrecht, Limburg Province Flevoland and Friesland. Thank you so much for supporting podcast because this podcast is created to empower writers like Miss Tess. Especially independent publishing. Because nowadays, as you said, we need to support independent publisher because they are producing uh, one-of-a-kind stories or one-of-a-kind novels that people need to read. Like your novel, Vale. Thank you. Which part of the book you want to revise? I have already went through so much editing that I don't think I would. I think that um, I'm not someone that has to keep fixing. I, you know, it's written over two years. And so, and I've had um, two professional editors with their eyes on it. Three, actually. I had one do my first five chapters a uh, year and a half ago. So, I mean, I've had a lot of eyes on it and I just can't see... I feel like the story really ties off neatly and it's complete. So I don't think I would revise it at all. Who are your uh, favorite authors uh, aside from... from the Prontes? I'm going to say this name wrong. So for, or at least um, with yes. protagonists, yeah, I, it's been a few years since I read them, but those have stayed with me um, since I first read them. So I really love those. It will haunt you, right? <laughs> yes, they do. Yes. <laughs> they really do haunt you. Um, I just, gosh, they're so heartbreaking, but you you really do see another part of the world through someone else's eyes. You know, it's one thing to be told, but when you read a novel, you are intimately connected with that protagonist. So, and I'm very open-minded when I read. So I, even if the protagonist was the villain, I'm on their forced off of it, you know, so when you are connected with them and, and the, his writing is just so elegant. Um, yeah, it's really stuck with me for some time. So I, I really do like him as a writer. Yeah. Um, I also, I'm trying to think of, right now I'm reading Tom Jones by Henry Fielding. I can't say that it's my favorite, but I am enjoying it. It's very different than what I normally read. Yes. Um, I have very eclectic taste in literature. I like a little bit of everything. The Hobbit's been a long favorite of mine. Yes, new writing until at the end of your retirement. I do. I have always loved writing. Like I said, I didn't always think it would be a career path. And I'm okay. You know, I, I do nursing. I can enjoy writing for what it is. I'm not chasing the wind. I'm not chasing the market and publishing. I'm writing what I enjoy, what comes to me naturally. And that is historical fiction or historical fantasy, if you want to call it that. Um, I'm writing my second novel right now. I'm I'm getting to the final act of it. And this novel, I will probably query with agents. I think it's, um, I think it's one that awesome. would do good. Can we talk that next week about your uh, next novel? Is it the oh. sequel or prequel of your book? This or... one's completely separate. The one I'm currently writing is separate from Vel and her world. So before we go on, I'm inviting you people to listen to my other podcast, Food 101, on our third season with Chef Alessandro, one of the executive chefs in one of the five-star hotels in downtown Toronto. Food 101, people, it's all about different kind of cuisine in the world and interviews, food trivia, and a lot more. So please do listen. Food 
101. Yes. Please invite our listeners to buy your book this coming <laughs> October. Yes, that would be great. Or feel free to go to my webpage at testbentley.com and you could join my newsletter and you just put in your email and then you can download the Soul Stone for free and, you know, see what you think. Let's talk about the main character of Vale. What are the characters that you want to share to us? Um, so Vel, like you said, is my protagonist. So she's sort of a millennial turned Victorian. Um, she right away meets with the people that should have been her family. So her love, Edward Emberly. Um, they're sort of supposed to be faded lovers, I guess you could say. Um, and then she meets his sister, Anne, and her husband, George. And so those are sort of the primary characters of the novel. They each have their own history that influences a lot of the decisions they make. I would say discerning characters. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to give anything away. But, Spoiler alert. <laughs> right. <laughs> they are, the, the biggest compliments I've got are they are just very well-developed characters. Um, you most people have gotten very interested in each one of their lives and, um, but they all sort of complement each other. So, I mean, I would say that is how Jane Eyre has influenced the novel because with Jane Eyre, you know, you see Rochester sort of fall in front of Jane, you know, he's, you see him this one way and then you see the decisions he's made. And then Charlotte Bronte tells you why he's made these choices. And with my characters, that's already happened. So Vel sort of gets their backstory because the story is more about Vel's journey. So I didn't want to tell, you know, make it rough for everybody, but um, you do see a lot of characterization like that. Yes. So what are the elements that you put in the story that make the reader glued to it? I think the sub story with the love interest between Vel and Edward, because you're waiting for it. Um, and then I think what really keeps a lot of people going is they want to know what happens with Bill's children, because at the beginning of the novel, she speaks about her two kids. She has a boy and a girl. And when she gets taken back in time, you know, there's that issue that doesn't go away. So again, I don't want to give a spoiler. But, yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think wondering what's going to happen with Vel, um, I really quickly let you know, she can't go back two centuries. Yes. So do you think if you, if this novel become a motion picture, what do you think the best title of the movie? I think uh, Vel would still be pretty solid. It's a uh, it's first person. So that's why I gave her, I, I named it after her because it is her story. Because if they follow the name of the book, well, Mistress Bentley will be popular. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> that we asked them. Because last month we talked about those authors that they they took all the story and but uh, the name of the author is discredited. So it's sadly that lots of writers is not being credited of their hard work. That's unfortunately true. Um you'll see movie posters and it won't say anything about, you know, the author and you know, everybody else gets credit for it, and then you're just a little blurb. But yet, I mean, it comes from your imagination, your literally your tears and hard work. 
all the time you spend, you know, writing it, finding a minute here, maybe your lunch break. Um, so I really, it really surprised me about the publishing industry, um, how little credit sometimes the author gets. Yeah. Yet, you know, when they look back to past authors of, you know, like I said, my favorites are classics. Um, there's a lot of nostalgia there. So you'll hear all about Charles Dickens' life for the Bronte sisters, um, Elizabeth Gaskell, Mary Shelley. We know all about their lives. Um, but author, modern authors, we're just sort of, you know, someone that's in the way will take your story, but we don't want to pay you well, or we don't want to give you the credit. Um, and I know it's rubbing a lot of writers wrong. And that's why you're seeing even a lot of traditionally published writers turn indie. What do you think uh, pros and cons of indie publishing? Well, I, I, the cons, oh, I guess I'll start there, is I mean, it is, it's a lot of work. There's a learning curve. Um, I think people really take it for granted. You're, I, and I know I've seen some authors, especially on Twitter, say this, you know, well, I write for the art. You should just appreciate the story for what it is. And in a perfect world, that would be true. But that's reader's attention. They do want to see a nice cover. We're all guilty of judging a book by its cover. Um, you want, and if you have, and it can go both ways. You can have a gorgeous cover, but if your writing's not strong, you're just setting up for disappointment. You're basically, you're catfishing readers. Yes. You know? yes. You're setting them up for failure. So you do need to have a nice cover. And you do need to make sure it's been edited. And, and I know that it's not affordable for everybody, but there are other ways to do it. We can edit our own work only so much. I think you just your brain is set to overlook certain words that are misspelled, maybe certain phrases. If you're writing historical fiction, um, and this is why my editor, I use the British editor, because there's Americanisms that you don't realize are Americanisms. Yes. Uh, if you have a British character saying gotten, they're going to pick up on that. You know, <laughs> anybody that's yes. not American will. So there's little things you may not have even thought of. So having other people, you know, in the industry, I know Reedsy has um, where you sort of could bid on different editors. So there's people that have degrees in English that are just starting in editing services and they'd be happy to work with you at a discount. I do think if you want to go indie and you're going to put your time and effort into it, then you need to do it right and be patient. You don't have, you're, no matter what, if you did everything the small press would do for you when you go indie, you could still do it sooner than traditional publishing would do it for you. So I think, you know, so that could be a con is if you rush the process or take shortcuts, you don't educate yourself, you will look self-published. Yes. And, and I'm not trying to insult anybody, but it's a, competitive field it's it's the arts and so if you're just doing it because you want your stories out there then no big deal put them out there and you will find a reader but for you know i'm speaking more to people that want the traditionally published authors you're getting and you're going to go indie then you need to mimic what they're doing and really it, it's so beneficial to them i know a couple people who have went indie and are more successful than a few people i know that went traditional it's because they're putting everything into themselves that a traditional press may not always do. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to consider there. The other con is it's lonely. You know, you yes. have to be your biggest advocate. 
um, you are your agent now. You are your publisher. <laughs> you, you're all you're your marketer. Yeah. So, um, and the flip side of that is if you are strong, you know, um, don't give up on yourself. You may get an agent that says, hey, your book failed in sub. I'm not keeping you. That happens all the time. Um, the publisher doesn't want it after all, you know, you get, you don't earn out and they take your book off the shelves if they ever made it to the shelves. So there's a lot of cons both ways. You just have to weigh what's best for you and really where you want to go with it. I would consider what your genre is. So for me there, I saw more pros with indie than I did cons, but yeah, they're definitely there. And then, you know, self-doubt always exists and every few days it comes back and makes you think, am I doing the right thing? So self-assessment yes exactly <laughs> yes so do you think that nowadays because we have indie publishing uh everywhere do you think that the quality of their publishing is getting less and less you know i think it's a spectrum honestly um i think it's getting easier to tell who is quality because yeah with self-publishing of course anybody can publish you could, and that's you know the case with the internet. You'd even have to have Ingram Spark, Amazon, or any of these companies that help self publishers. You could have put it on a website. You could put it anywhere, and you would find readers. So, I mean, yeah, that allows for a lot of people that can't write very well to put it out there, and that's absolutely true. But I think for those that are strong with their writing skills and and it's not just writing. And that's the thing about being indie. You're an entrepreneur, whether you like it or not. If you're choosing to go indie, you're an entrepreneur. And so yes. it's like you've got to watch Shark Tank. <laughs> and <laughs> when they go on there, they're not prepared or they don't understand how they make money or what their profits are or they don't have a, um, a plan, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure. So... A lot of people that, like you said, if you expect a lot of readers, if that's what you're going for, and you just throw it out there and it's not ready, yeah, you may say, well, this is what's wrong with self-publishing. So I, I do think it exists, but I do think there's some really great indie authors, a lot of them actually. And I think you're going to see more and more strong indie authors because, like I said, publishing pays so little. Your average advance is $5,000. By the time yes. you get that, after everybody gets their cut, it's nothing. That a year, you cannot write full time on that. It's impossible. Um, so you are going to have a day job. So if you have been writing long enough, you understand the industry well enough, you have connections to good cover artists, you know, um, good editors, you could definitely do it on your own. And so I think people are picking up on that. I think the stigma is going away because you do have some traditionally published authors doing it. And I, I think we're going to see more of it in the next few years. I really do, especially with the big publishers trying to merge. You know, they're making so much at the top and then the author's getting so little. It's, it blows my mind. It really does. Yes, it's unfair, right? It, it is unfair, yeah. Give, give credit to those people who give hard enough to think and give like their time, hours, just to write a novel or something else that they need to publish. So once again, Ms. Tess, if you describe Veil, your debut novel in <laughs> five adjectives, what are they? There's connection, 
I hope Definitely. that people can connect to her, um, her path. I hope it's entertaining. Yes. Um, <laughs> Bestseller. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I may not get the five. Um, I hope it's a little bit educational. I mean, I was very strict with the historical aspect of it. I had a great editor from the Historical Novel Society edit it. And, uh, you know, she definitely helped me be accurate on a few things. So definitely a few corsets are not that bad, ladies. So <laughs> that's definitely <laughs> mentioned in Underwire so much worse. Um, so that's definitely mentioned in the novel. Uh, we invite our listeners to buy your books this coming October. Yes, that would be great. I am going to start with my um, advanced reader copies sometime in April or May. So if you're on NetGalley, Elderwise, Goodreads, um, like I said, if you join my newsletter, I'm going to do competitions and giveaways so there's definitely going to be opportunity to get a hold of the book before it comes out and then if you want to wait it's going to be available on wide distribution so barnes and nobles um amazon i have it for sale on my website so october 16th will be the publication date but um if you want to join me for my journey ahead of time you know like i said join my newsletter and you'll get exclusive updates there plus i'm on twitter and instagram so you can find me Yes, I'll be happy if you come back before the publishing. And let's talk about again. How about absolutely. your W novel, Veil? Thank you. Absolutely. Yes, because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world. 